Do you want to empower families and young people in your community? Then take the time to make a tax-deductible contribution to the Coach Tate Fund. The Coach Tate Foundation is dedicated to helping young people and their families in learning and passing on the kinds of life skills that we all need to succeed. All too often, we hear about kids and their families having encountered life's difficulties that could have been easily avoided by knowing better decision-making skills. From anger management to money management to something as simple as learning to manage how we spend our time or how we use our job skills. Make a donation to the Coach Tate Fund. It'll help kids who need help and their families too. Make your contribution to the Coach Tate Fund. Get details at www.coachtatefoundation.com. And oh, by the way, thank you. May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Good morning. It's family time. And welcome back, listeners. Our topic today, we are one as we celebrate Greek Easter Holy Week. Let's ask this question. What does it mean in the Bible when it says, that there is neither Jew nor Greek in Galatians 3.8. Well, we're going to answer that question today. And, quote, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.28, along with other translations, uses the phrase Jew nor Greek. The NIV translated literally as Jew nor Gentile. Either way, the verse relates a wonderful message concerning the unity we have in Christ. In the New Testament times, the Greek culture was dominant in the Roman Empire, of which Israel was a part. So there was a basic distinction made between Jews and Greeks. In addition to Jew and Greek, Galatians 3.28 lists two other contrasting pairs, male and female, and slave or free. Now, when Paul says, quote, there is neither Jew or Greek, unquote, male or female or slave and free, we know that he's not speaking literally for all of these things of people existed in Paul's days and as well as in our day-to-day, even modern gender bending notwithstanding. Paul is not saying that the differences do not exist, but that in Christ Jesus, they do not matter. Again, this is not an absolute statement that the differences have been completely abolished, as some interpret it, because the New Testament spends a good bit of time telling how men and women should act in their unique roles as men or women, and of the proper behavior of slaves and masters, even Christian slaves and Christian masters, see Ephesians 5, 21, 6 through 9, and Colossians 3, 18, 4, verse 1, for example. But within the context of the discussion of Galatians 3, these differences do not matter. When these differences are taken out of context of Galatians 3, they might matter a great deal. Galatians 3:28 cannot be quoted in isolation to, quote, prove, unquote, that there are or should be 
no differences. According to the rich theology pulsating throughout Paul's letter to the Colossians, there's no place for division amongst Christians. Rather, Paul announces that a new creation has been inaugurated where indifference, or we might say today diversity, remains a sign of life whereas division is done away with altogether. For Paul, the hope of the Christian life is not about getting heaven. He foresees a day when heaven and earth will at least and at last intersect in eternal union. Paul pictures a new reality wherein the heavenly dimensions have intersected with this world in the here and now through the person of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit active and at work in the church. And we, the people, are the church in this context. Who are we? The church, the people of God. Paul reminds the Colossians that if the church, the people of God, have been raised with Christ in Colossians 3, 1, then we are invited to fully participate in this heavenly rooted reality. Faith in Jesus is not an escape hat out of this world, but it's an invitation to seek our whole selves deep into Jesus and to find the life of heaven flowing through us, you and me, as the church for the life of this world. We are to seek the things where Christ is because, as Paul makes clear, our life is hidden with Christ in God, Colossians 3.3. 3. Our true selves do not reside in the past. In fact, they cannot do this with any expectation of success. Neither does shame or regret from the past control us or condemn us. Rather, our life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Jesus is finally and fully revealed in us, then we will at last know ourselves. At last, Paul turns to the most obvious divisions in his own time, proclaiming that there is no longer any ethnic, cultural, or class separation, but that Christ, quote, is all and in all, unquote, Colossians 3.11. It was difficult for people to believe it then, and it seems all but impossible to believe it now. Our vision should then shift from saving the world to bearing witness to the world's Savior in every aspect of our lives, listeners. We come to rest in his accomplishment. Such resting can take many forms. It might even look like repentance. After all, what is repentance if not ceasing the difficult work of carrying a weight far too great for us to bear. Finally, we cannot hope to encounter a new creation wherein any part of ourselves remains separated from Jesus, nor it seems can we hold out hope that worldly divisions will remain. We fail to imagine the fullness of the Christian calling if we picture a resurrection life which maintains a comfortable distance between, quote, them, unquote, and, quote, us, unquote, whoever we would put into those categories. Instead, we will encounter the radical claim of the gospel that foresees a world in which everything and every Everyone that rises must converge as one. Matt Archery. Amen. Now, listen, let's take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. To everybody that enjoyed this podcast, order your book today. It's called Secrets and Protection Strategies for National Security by Francina Hollers. The book comes in two forms, a soft cover, and you can also download the Audible so you can listen to it at any time of the day. Make sure you go to Amazon.com and order today. This is a must for everybody. Now, welcome back, listeners, and let's notate how we as believers can be and live in this divided world as one with God, but not of this world. 
Let's look at the Bible. When we read of the, quote, world in the New Testament, we are reading the Greek word cosmos. Cosmos most often refers to the inhabited earth and the people who live on the earth, which functions apart from God. Satan is the ruler of this, quote, cosmos, unquote. John 12, 31, 16, 11, and 1 John 5, 19. By the simple definition that the word world refers to a world system ruled by Satan, we can more readily appreciate Jesus Christ claims that believers are no longer of this world. We are no longer ruled by sin, nor are we bound by the principles of this world. In addition, we are being changed into the image of Christ, causing our interest in the things of the world to become less and less as we mature in Jesus Christ. Believers in Jesus Christ are simply in the world, physically present, but we're not of it. No, not even part of its values. John 17, 14 through 15. As believers, we should be set apart from this world. This is the meaning of being holy and living a holy, righteous life to be set apart. We are not to engage in the sinful activities this world promotes, nor are we to retain the insipid, corrupt mind that the world creates. Rather, we are to conform ourselves and our minds to that of Jesus Christ. Romans 12, 1 through 2. This, my listeners, is a daily activity and commitment. We must also understand that being in the world but not of it is necessary if we are to be a light to those who are in spiritual darkness. We are to live in such a way that those out the faith, see our good deeds and our manner and know that there is something, quote, different, unquote, about us. Christians who make every effort to live, think, and act like those who do not know Christ do him a great disservice. Even the heathen knows that, quote, by their fruit you shall know them, unquote. And as Christians, we should exhibit the fruit of the Spirit within us being in the world also means we can enjoy the things of the world, such as the beautiful creation God has given us. But we are not to immerse ourselves in what the world values, nor are we to chase after worldly pleasures. Pleasure is no longer calling in our life as it once was, but rather the worship of God. Amen. Now, listen, let's take a quick break before my conversation with Demetrius Mamaritas on his Greek family heritage and their family Easter traditions. Stay tuned. Well, good morning, Demetrius, and happy Pascha. Happy Easter. Oh, thank you so much. This is, uh, this is uh, you know, Greek Holy Week, so I'm very excited about this. Well, we're so excited to uh, share with our listeners today, you know, as the Coach State Foundation Executive Director uh, since its inception for 12 years, uh, this is a very uh, excited to hear about your Greek family heritage and how your family celebrates such a holy week this week after the American Easter last week. Please share with us. Yes, uh, you know I'm I'm Greek. I got a Greek background. Both my both my parents are from Greece. My mother was from the southern part of uh, Greece, and my dad from northern part. Uh, my mother's from Marulava, close to Athens, and my dad from Thessaloniki. In English, they call it Salonika. And they they met in America. And um, I grew up in the Greek culture. Now, Greek Easter is the 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 biggest holiday of the season of the year. It's 
is Greek Easter. And Greek Easter was so um, strong growing up. We used to go to church and everything. But there's a whole whole uh, series of things that we do. For the, we just don't celebrate one day. There's a, you know we we fast for 40 days. We have uh, we go to church. We have all these uh, things that we do in the Greek culture. And I like to explain that here in a little bit. Yes, yes. It's so fascinating. I myself have uh, been introduced to the your family, the the tradition. I call it my Greek family now. And uh, it's such a great population of people here in America. And it's 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 great to have that represented at the Coach Tate Foundation because we are one. We are one, and your family just leads by example. I love the gatherings. And if you could take a few minutes to just share at this happy time of death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and, and how the Greek Orthodox uh, celebrate that that moment in time and how they live every day as a family, yes, uh, as a Greek-American it, family. Yeah, this the one thing that I know because I grew up uh, in the Greek culture. So I speak Greek. Actually, Greek was my first language and uh, English was my second. But um, going back, uh, I remember growing up, you know, didn't know too much, but as I got older, I understood the Greek culture and going to church. And and uh, what we do is we feast actually at the end, but we fast in the beginning. So uh, 40 days, um, we actually fast from meat and so forth. But the last week is the most critical week, um, Passover. And Easter in Greek is called Pascha. And uh, that's what we celebrate. The, the uh, We celebrate Christ um, when he was crucified on the cross to when he rises and uh, you know monday tuesday and then wednesday is kind of uh we go to church every day but wednesday is when we go get the holy oil and um we go about six or seven in the evening and it's a, a shorter service and we get the oil right on our wrist and on our palms and so forth and on our forehead chin and our cheek and it's a little bit warmer and um and i think of the catholic uh heritage they do the uh the ash but we do the oil. Now, Thursday is a very long service, about four hours. It goes from like 8 o'clock till midnight. And that that's the 12 um, uh, angels that um, uh, they call them the 12 evangelists. And it's the 12 gospels, excuse me. And um, that goes from 8 to 12, like I said. And then Friday, kind of we go in and it's a good Friday. We celebrate the death of Christ. Now, that is a, a ceremony, a celebration, if you want to call it. We would go to church on Friday night. And we take the thing called the Epitaphio, which is the tomb of, of Christ, right? And we go around the church. Now, I think a lot of people maybe in America around the world have seen this where the people, the priests, we follow the priest and go around and we sing all the hymns. And it's kind of a sad time because Christ was crucified. And, uh, you know, a lot of people like cry. And we have candles and so forth. And on Saturday, we take communion. Uh, we You can go in the morning, but at night, it starts about 8 o'clock, but on Saturday evening around midnight, we say Christos Anesti, which means Christ has risen in English, and Alithos Anesti, which means, yes, he has risen. So when we do the celebration and the priest is up there, we all sing in the church, everybody, and Christos Anesti, Alithos Anesti, and there's a song, and then uh, we have... Uh, you can take communion, but we have the red egg. Now, the red egg symbolizes the blood of, of Jesus Christ, right? And yeah. the egg symbolizes rebirth. So that's why there's just a red egg. And what you do is actually, as soon as you get it, you, can, you say, Chrysostanesti, and they say, Alisosanesti. You take the egg from the front of the eggs. So you pick somebody and you hit the front of each egg, right? 
and then you hit the back. Now, if your egg doesn't break, that's good luck. And you go to the next person. And we have a big feast. We have lamb. We have uh, everything, feta cheese, you name it. We have breads. And we got a special bread. It's called chureki bread. And my family has a, a, a Greek tradition recipe. Actually, my brother and my sister-in-law do a business up in Boston. It's called chureki. They sold over like 200 breads in like uh, two days or so forth. But the party, the celebration goes all night. And we eat lamb. And it's funny because every four years, Easter is the same time as, as um, Greek Easter, right? American Easter. And there's kind of a, a joke, if you want to talk about it, that the Greeks are the only people that can have Christ rise two times in a year. <laughs> and we always laugh about it because <laughs> every four years I love they that. rise together. That's so awesome. <laughs> but um, this is such um, a blessing to be part of the Greek culture and to understand and to grow up and see this. And uh, we really celebrate. We eat the whole lamb. I remember one time my brother like came home and he's adopting everything and and uh, you know we eat the whole lamb, not just a little lamb, uh, not just lamb shank, but we eat the whole lamb. And my mom makes lamb soup and everything, right? And we used to put the head right on the plate for my dad to eat. It's kind of interesting. Uh, like you're looking at the head of a, a lamb, right? But you know there's a lot of good meat in that in the head. But my brother-in-law is looking at the soup, right? And all of a sudden it's just like he sees, I think, like these organs. And we as Greeks, we grew up with that stuff, so we're all chuckling. And and he's looking as like, that looks like something familiar from an organ or something. And my sister and my sister like, oh, just hush, just eat it. And after he ate it, he loved it. And we told him I was in it. I'll tell you, he wants like two times the soup every time Easter comes around because it's so delicious. It really is. But that Greek Easter is something that we celebrate. The the Greek Easter soup is called magiritsa. It's a tradition Greek uh, soup and. Um, it's uh, it's quite interesting if you ever get a chance to actually see or go to a Greek celebration of Easter time. You should go because it's something very uh, different, and it's really you'll get the the feeling that Christ is really, really right there with you. It's amazing, and you know, um, every uh, they they came up with the uh, the uh, the calendar uh, back in the 16th century of 1583. I kind of looked it up. You can actually look at it, folks. It goes all the way to 4,000 years. That's 1,978 more years from today. You can actually follow the Greek and American dates that it's the same. It's kind of interesting to actually publish that. So uh, I'm very proud to actually kind of be part of this. And uh, it's been a, a great, and I'm so hungry to actually have some lamb. <laughs> And now that's what I think. This lamb time, I I love the Greek with uh, tradition, the family. Uh, it's the greatest celebration in the Orthodox Church, and uh, just learning and loving and seeing the life of uh, Jesus Christ from uh, from the Athens Thessaloniki, you know Thessalonica. We read about that in the American Bible, but your family is from those areas and. And it all goes yeah. back to what we're talking about, Demetrius. We're all one. We're many different parts, but we're all one in the body of Christ. And and that's what I love about the Greek uh, family is that you are living that example that we are all one. Any closing yeah, remarks? You know, Greek, yeah, Greek, Greece um, and, and the Greek culture, I'm just so proud to be actually Greek, 100% Greek. And um, uh, they say you get Americanized over here, but you never forget um, your background. 
in my opinion, you know, and I grew up speaking Greek and it was Greek, everything in the house. And to go back, you know, my mom passed away in 95, 1995 of cancer. And um, that's something that, um, you know, God decided, God decides everything. And one day I'm going to be up there. My dad's in his nineties and that's just part of life. You know, that's uh, Jesus was here and he passed away. And that's part of life where everybody will, will pass away one day. And to be part of uh, seeing something as unique as the Greek Easter culture is something unique. And um, I, I just love it. I love how you come into America, the traditions, and live in America, but not of America. As God tells us, we live in the world, but not of the world. And when you see the light of the Greek family. At this time of the yeah. year, it's a special time. And thank you so much, Demetrius, for sharing with us. And we look forward to learning more about the the tradition of gym toys and uh, Little Gourmet Cafe and, uh, and and Yanni and Juma and, and how we're bringing that and paying it forward for the next generation because we are all one. Yeah. And you know one thing um, I like to say to everybody out there, that um, the Greek culture is so strong. Every place in in the world actually has a Greek church. You can actually go. Sometimes they have, I think in Pittsburgh they have like seven. I think Greek, uh, Massachusetts, I think they have 11 Greek churches just in one city. Um, that's pretty powerful, you know what I'm saying? So um, you can actually look online, go go to one of these services just, just to listen and watch and look. It's quite interesting, quite amazing, actually. I'd like to add one more thing um, about the Easter bread. There's another bread called basilopita, which is uh, Easter bread, small rounded. And what they do is um, they put like a a coin size of like a dime. It's usually a Greek. Uh, that's me back in in the older and back in the 70s and 80s. The, it's a euro now, but it's changed. And um, what you do is you put the bread, the the coin in the bread, and when you cook it, right, you cut it afterward. And what you do is the first one goes to God, the second one goes to the house, the third one goes to your job, right? And the fourth one goes to the the father, the mother, and then the kids. And whoever gets that coin has good luck. And that's kind of the same thing with the with the egg. Whoever gets the egg that doesn't break, it's good luck for the year. But one last thing I'd like to really say is about the this lamb. Uh, one year we couldn't get any lamb to eat. So I knew a farmer. And he and I, we asked him if he had any uh, lamb. He said, yeah, I got a lamb. And he thought we were going to come to see if it was for a pet. So I told my brother and my mother, so we went over there. And we're looking around to see which one actually, not for a pet, but which one looked delicious to cook. And the farmer didn't know we were actually going to eat the lamb. So we're looking, and we said, well, take that lamb over there. So, we, you know, we got the lamb and went home and all that. But he saw us later. And uh, a couple months later, he says, hey, how's the lamb doing? And we said uh, we're chuckling because it's it's a, it's a kind of inside thing that he doesn't know we ate the lamb. He thought we had it as a pet, and we're like, oh, the lamb is doing great. And and by the way, it's been the best lamb ever. Like meaning as a pet, but it's like the taste buds. <laughs> but uh, I just like to add that, and uh, and I like to end with that. and Ali happy Kali Pascha, which means good Easter. And thanks again. Opa. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> Closing notes to the church. And again, the church is we the people, you and me. We make up the church. How is the church the body of Christ? The church may be called the body of Christ because of these facts. And I'm going to give you a few. And it 
the first. Members of the body of Christ are joined to Christ in salvation, Ephesians 4, 15 through 16. Members of the body of Christ follow Christ as their head, Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. Members of the body of Christ are the physical representation of Christ in this world. The church, the people, is the organism through which Christ manifests his life to the world today. Members of the body of Christ are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of Christ. And number five, members of the body of Christ possess a diversity of gifts suited to particular functions, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 31. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all of its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, unquote, verse 12. Homework listeners, are we ready and prepared to be the one that God wants to see in this world today for our next generation? How can we lead others? when we cannot lead ourselves. Listeners, what does your own one look like? What does it sound like and smell like, taste like, feel like? And what does your one sense like? Are you paying attention? Amen. Our closing poem for today is submitted by Katrina Hart, and it reads as such. We are one under the same roof of heavens, we are one in the eyes of God, under the same shadow of light, but its rays are silvery moon. We are one asking for his hand, under the same blanket of stars, we are one regardless of whom and what they are and what we are. Whatever language we speak, whatever beliefs we keep, Whatever dreams we seek, we are one under his wings. We all drink same water, same wine from his cup. We all eat grains and flowers alike, the same bread we take from his plate. We all sit and dine on the same table where Jesus gave his last supper to his apostles. We are all one sharing his cross. We are one blood, one family in his home. Amen. Our closing poem for today is submitted by Katrina Hart, and it reads as such. We are one. Under the same roof of heavens, we are one in the eyes of God. Under the same shadow of light, but its rays are silvery moon. We are one asking for his hand. Under the same blanket of stars, we are one regardless of whom and what they are and what we are. Whatever language we speak, whatever beliefs we keep, whatever dreams we seek, we are one under his wings. We all drink same water, same wine from his cup. We all eat grains and flowers alike, the same bread we take from his plate. We all sit and dine on the same table where Jesus gave his last supper to his apostles. 
We are all one sharing his cross. We are one blood, one family in his home. Amen. Do you want to empower families and young people in your community? Then take the time to make a tax-deductible contribution to the Coach Tate Fund. The Coach Tate Foundation is dedicated to helping young people and their families in learning and passing on the kinds of life skills that we all need to succeed. All too often, we hear about kids and their families having encountered life's difficulties that could have been easily avoided by knowing better decision-making skills. From anger management to money management to something as simple as learning to manage how we spend our time or how we use our job skills. Make a donation to the Coach Tate Fund. It'll help kids who need help and their families too. Make your contribution to the Coach Tate Fund. Get details at www.coachtatefoundation.com. And oh, by the way, thank you. I can only imagine it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when you fade. 